0: Rise for their majesties of Royally
1: Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals.
2: Stand by. Three cheers for Her Majesty, the Queen.
1: Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And we're back. It Woo-hoo! is time for your weekly update on all the royal news you need to know. We have some big pieces of news this week, but as always, a couple of royal reminders before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a royal rating. We've seen some really great reviews lately. And so we'd love to have keep those coming. Send us an email and info at gallerypodcast.com. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm
0: good. I just want to comment that I love
1: that we're both decked out in Pure
0: Wow merchandise. Like that wasn't planned. We're both I have my Pure Wow sweatshirt, pure wow t-shirt. We're
1: repping repping the brand today. We're repping. How are you doing? How was your weekend? It was great. It was really, really nice. It was not as hot as the other weekend. I finished a book, uh, which is a big – I feel like a big accomplishment these days that I've been reading. Um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Oh, my gosh. I really want to read that book. Is it incredible? So good. It's one of those books where I really – when I put it down, I was like, I kind of want to start reading it again. Oh, I (laughs) love that. It was that that good. I love that. like really, really – wonderful. And that feels like such a big accomplishment these days because there's so much going on. It's like the world yeah. really has reopened and now there's so many social events, I feel like. I feel like i leaving the house so much. So I
0: know. That's how I feel too. I feel like the world's really come alive. We discovered that the pool at our co- temporary apartment complex opened and that was like the big highlight Amazing. of my weekend. Uh, Finn is obsessed.
1: <laughs> oh, That's so nice. So that we was We had a similar pool experience too. We have a gym around the block that has a pool and it just opened Memorial Day weekend. So we went for the first time on Sunday. It was incredible. Changes
0: your whole summer when you have an ability to cool off.
1: (laughs) It really does, especially in the city, yeah. Oh
0: man, well, we have so much to talk about. First and foremost, we need some sort of sound effect like do 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 doo, or God Save the Queen, the <laughs> anthem. Joe and Jill Biden met Queen Elizabeth. What a fantastic occasion. We're getting into the Queen's official birthday and the scaled back Trooping the Color ceremony for the second year in a row, Prince Edward's interview with CNN, and so much more. But we're also joined by a very special guest from Kensington Palace to talk about the new Diana wedding dress exhibition. So tune in. Lots to come. Can't
1: wait.
2: And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. All
1: right, well today we are sipping organic rosé from Born Barcelona. This is a Barcelona rosé brand that just made it stateside and so I love it. it it's weird because you know sparkling rosé, I don't know. It's just it, this one tastes different. This one has a lot more bubbles to it and mm-hmm. I really like that. It's like I feel like people talk about mouthfeel when they talk about wine, but this Ooh, is like really feel. really refreshing. I know it's like the more bubbles the better. It yes. really.
0: I really honestly good. was about to crack that open, but I am so tired today that I have a Coke. I'm, I am like it's not even a diet Coke. It's just a regular Coca Cola deliciousness. Delicious. That's
1: okay, Rachel. That's <laughs> I should right. have coffee, but can, I'm such a soda
0: girl. I can drink for both of us. Yes, it's please, fine. please.
1: Go I, to I was gonna say though, I feel like we should be having some CBD because did you see that Mike? Tyndall is now a partner with this Purist CBD brand? I did not. I missed this. Like, Tell me everything. The Royals and CBD, it's kind of crazy actually. I think like this is huge. I love him. When is he coming on the podcast? I know. I know. <laughs> should we start some outreach with that? I, feel like I think we definitely we should. Need to reach out. I think
0: he would do it. We could talk about football.
1: <laughs> he totally would do Rugby. it. He's like Rugby, a podcast pro. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I knew what you meant.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, we have a Fantastic reader email this week that we want to get into. Reader DM. I guess it was a, a little bit of both. Uh one of our very own Roro's, Maddie in Australia, received a royal delivery, a copy of the bench, which is on my bedside table still. I just love it so much. Plus a note from Megan herself. Maddie also shared this on Facebook and it has it's gone viral in the Roro Facebook group. 400 <laughs> likes, 250 comments, but Apparently, Maddie, immediately wow. following the Oprah interview, penned a note to Megan and sent it to the contact address on the Archwell website, which is the Wilshire Boulevard, Beverly Hills. We're always sleuthing out those, those addresses. To basically thank Megan and praise her for opening up about her mental health and everything that was going on behind the scenes during her time in the royal family. She also mailed her package with baby booties for Archie and Lilibet. I just... Bravo, so Maddie, sweet. first of all.
1: <laughs> That's so thoughtful. It's amazing, amazing. But also to get this like beautiful letter back, like she has to frame this. It's really, I mean, it's like stunning visually the way Megan writes back and thanks her for everything is so beautiful. It's just like so I'm lovely. I'm blown away by Megan's calligraphy
0: skills. Like I just, I know it's, I know it's not calligraphy, but it has that sort of Cursive stroke that is just so elegant and I, I agree, it's totally frameworthy. It also reminds me how much I've fallen behind on my own royal correspondence, which I'm usually so oh, yes, diligent about because I, I it dawned on me that. that Prince William's birthday is next week and I have yet to <gasps> send him a note. What am I Rachel. even doing with my life? <laughs> All your free time these days. Why haven't you? I was just like really mad at myself. So maybe I can rectify that this weekend. But I did also want to mention that Maddie also noted that her grandmother, who was the reason she fell in love with the royals in the first place, passed away on the same day as what would have been Prince Philip's 100th birthday. So it's a really sweet connection there. I just wanted to
1: mention that. Oh, that is really sweet. And I I feel like she, you know, she talked about that she wrote to Megan about mental health and praising her for opening up on the Oprah interview so i'm sure that resonated really deeply for Megan it seems like the the letter she got back was just so heartfelt too i just think that that, that was so sweet of her to write back and with everything Megan has going them. on you know
0: yeah now we know where to send them a love note
1: all right this week in royal history
0: Hello. This week
1: in Royal History. We are flashing back to Harry and William's joint trip to Africa. This was their first joint official overseas tour. They went from June 14th to 19th in 2010. Harry was only 25. William was 28. They visited three countries while they were there. Botswana, Lesotho, and South Africa. They were actually... Primarily there for England's World Cup match versus Algeria in Cape Town, but they ended up visiting each other's distinct charities. So that would be the Tusk Trust for William and Sentiball for Harry. The highlights of the trip, just quickly we're gonna go through the brothers holding an eight foot python. Have you seen this picture? That photo is terrifying. Did you know that it peed on them while they were no, holding it? And they ew. were freaking out. And they were like, what do we do? Like, this is... And they were laughing at Not the at photo each op other. they planned for. Also, they said they would name the python. And there was another snake there, the common brown house snake, after each of the brothers. And William immediately was like, I get the big one. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny to just, like, hear them bickering. Uh, Another highlight, Harry and William flying on separate planes. Obviously, they have to always fly separate because of the line of succession. Chelsea Davy actually showed up on part of the tour and was caught in paparazzi photos with Harry. But their relationship was really rocky at the time, and they were on and off. So they'd already broken up once, I think. And they had – they kind of rekindled in South Africa and then um, later broke up again, obviously. Uh, William said later, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) she's had to add that in there. Uh, I liked this though. William said later that one of the most moving moments from this Africa tour with his brother was seeing Harry's work with Sentiball, which Mm -hmm. I thought was so sweet. And so moving to be able to see that in person for both of them, really, because Harry got to see William interact with the Tusk Trust. Uh, so that was just, it just feels like hard now you know knowing what we know it just is It's interesting tough. to even visualize where they were i guess 11 years ago you know where it was William was just about to marry Kate yeah yeah that so that they got engaged 4 months after in October and then they announced it in November so yeah he was really I mean, this feels a little bit almost like a bachelor trip. In yeah, a way like with last his brother. Draw. Yeah, Private. Yeah, they probably trip. chatted about it. I, I yeah. just feel like also,
0: you know, thinking of where we're at now with the brothers. Are you feeling optimistic about July first, Roberta, with the statue unveiling coming up, and and what their union will, re- what their reunion will look like?
1: I think I am. I think I am feeling optimistic. Um, maybe it's just the way that you, the tone you asked the question in, <laughs> but I do feel like. I try, when I you're, try. Before we hopped on the Zoom, I was not feeling optimistic because I was thinking about how close they were in Africa 11, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and just feeling like, man, they are really, like, we heard recently that Kate got a text from Harry about Lilibet's birth, but he asked, I mean, it was not to William, it was to Kate, as she's kind of the Royal Peacemaker between the brothers now, and he actually didn't tell his brother directly, supposedly that's from the mail on Sunday, but I don't know that just it's yeah. it's tough I think they they will be together on July first, but will it be warm i don't I don't know yeah, it's really tough i know i I'm feeling optimistic
0: just because I also feel like the one good thing, not the one one of the best <laughs> things about a new baby is it I do think despite all the drama we've been reading about with the name and everything it is something that is such a happy c- occasion and really kind of puts things in perspective so I'm
1: optimistic about and really brings people together yeah, yeah. I think you're right I think so you're right. we'll see So first up, we have the presidential visit. This was big. This is exciting for us this weekend. I really loved it. So first, we had a surprise event with Jill Biden and Kate Middleton with kids at a school in West Cornwall. They also jointly published an op-ed on CNN the next day, which was really wonderful. So first impressions, Rachel, I'll just kick it to you real quick. I mean, I just loved their
0: bright color palette. That was really exhilarating for me to see. I just feel like the hot pink, the
1: red, it just was a really great combination together. Yeah, I love that they coordinated that a little bit. So Kate was in dark pink. I immediately thought she was wearing red, and I was like, ooh, lady in red. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's actually called on the Alexander McQueen website, Dahlia Pink, uh, midi dress that she added the belt to and then carried an L.K. Bennett mini bag. And then Jill, Dr. Jill, I should say, was in hot pink Le Jean's blazer and a white acris dress. Um, the biggest thing to come out of this is obviously... At the end of the roundtable, the question from an NBC reporter, an American reporter, asking about Lilibet. Mm -hmm. All the very best. I can't wait to meet her because we haven't yet yet met her yet. So hopefully that will be soon.
2: Have you FaceTime with her? No, I
1: haven't, no. (laughs) So, no, I haven't met her on FaceTime, but I'm very excited to meet her one day and I haven't yet. I thought that was kind of sweet. It wasn't.
0: I will say. It was very diplomatic. The one thing I think to keep in mind, and I, I feel like I'm playing so many like benefit of the doubt cards here, but just because they haven't Facetime doesn't mean that they haven't chatted over the phone. It's wild when a new baby arrives, and I feel like there's a lot of chaos, and they do have the added dynamic of their relationship kind of figuring out whatever nuances that is, but timing wise, like the baby's asleep, the baby's awake, who knows? I'm giving Kate the benefit of the doubt that it's very much an intention of theirs totally. to catch up soon. Um, but it did add a little bit of fuel to headlines that things are potentially still rocky.
1: I totally agree. I do feel like probably, and you can obviously test to this more than I can, but in those first few days, like you're probably not wanting to FaceTime anybody. Like you're in a little cocoon with your baby and trying to have like that, I don't know, those moments that you savor. And so it's not weird at all. I would think to not Facetime, and she did not say they haven't talked yet. So, and you think about the time difference too. That's pretty brutal from That's the UK true. to the West Coast. I I always Such forget what a big gap
0: that is. I, I did really like because this is you know a presidential visit, so the press pool expands far beyond the typical UK uh, crew. So, I, I believe I don't know who asked that question, but it's just there. You know. The firm can't have
1: as much control,
0: which is interesting,
1: over what questions get asked. And it was interesting, too, in the beginning of the roundtable, Dr. Jill said – Thank you so much to the press for being here. Like, I really respect you, and I'm so grateful for you covering this. And it's just so different from the way that the British tabloids and the royal family really operate. I just feel like it's, like, such a different mindset about the media. I don't know. It was really – it was funny. The one thing I will say, though, Kate's face when she got asked that question, I feel like her eyes were kind of, like, Ugh, like, and then the, her assistants obviously were like, all right, this is over, cut it off. Like, done. Well, it
0: has to be so stressful because you know that no yeah. matter what they talk about, the headlines are going to be about the Sussexes. And that's the part that I can't imagine. You know, you, you're prepped. I'm sure she's super prepped for it. But at the same time, you know that all eyes are on you when they come up. Totally. And I
1: love that Jill Vine just sips her water politely and just like, <laughs> is like, no, this is so awkward. Yeah, that has to be a meme. Yeah, that, that has to definitely be does. <laughs> all right. And then two more things. The Eden Project reception that night. So there was the sword cake cutting, which we all know about by oh. now. Audio wasn't great, but the queen was told, there's a knife. And she replies, I know there's a knife, but this is more unusual, which just like, Bravo. it was so good. <laughs> OK, real talk, though, when she put her hand on top of the sword, did you scream? So, oh, so I had to go back because I saw your note. About about this in the script
0: and I was like <laughs> I definitely went and reevaluated I was like oh my gosh that is so dangerous
1: I was nervous I was like aren't both sides of the sword sharp like why would she be putting her hand on the on either side of the sword like don't press your hand I was really afraid that we were gonna see like fingers fly off like that was terrifying but then Camilla actually kind of saves the day and she's like slice it through you know and yeah. then just helps her with it helps her hand uh I love this note that we saw Kate arrived and said hello grandpa to Prince Charles which was really sweet of course like you call your in-laws whatever your kids call them I've noticed that a lot with my brother and sister-in-law who have now almost a two-year-old and they're like nana and grandpa so I'm like who who are we going? (laughs) it's like my parents got it got it yeah uh so that was really sweet oh and there's a clip from uh the photo op as well the queen made everyone at the g summit laugh and they all loved her so here's that clip how's that
0: are you supposed to be
2: looking as if you're enjoying (laughs) it yes
1: if you you uh,
0: we have been enjoying ourselves in spite of appearances the guy to look at is is
2: is just over there
1: She goes, are you supposed to look like you're enjoying yourselves in this photo op where she's like kind of asking like, are we smiling? Which is a very like 20th century. I feel like that's like, like your friends are like, okay, are we smiling? What are we doing with are our we faces? Smizing? Are we yeah.
0: squinching? All that stuff. I know.
1: So I love that she did that. But she was also the talk of the, the night because the next, I think it was actually yesterday, Monday, she met with the Australian president. And when he talked to her, he was like, everyone was talking about you at the dinner afterward. And they they all like were saying how wonderful you were, to the queen. And I oh. thought that was – she was, like, really flattered, which was nice. I just feel like, in particular, the queen – it almost feels like she's
0: all of us coming out after the pandemic where we've been at home, and she just seemed so happy at these events. And really kind of her sense of humor was, you know, completely on display and all of that stuff. We saw a lot of great photo ops and moments with this I occasion. wonder if it's,
1: like – do you think it's, like – It's kind of an honor for her. I mean, I I know it's an honor for everyone there to meet her. But for her, too, I feel like it is an honor to be included with the heads of these G7 countries. Like, I feel like that's a really big deal. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Next up.
0: So Trooping the Color. That was also – I just can't believe it's another year, another scaled back celebration. I was actually thinking about it because the last time we saw William and Kate attend this – was 2019. The kids were much littler. At this point, I actually feel like I'm echoing last year what we talked about. But I believe that this year, again, we would have seen Charlotte and George participating in the procession because William did for the first time when he was five. And they're definitely of
1: age to do that. And so we just keep getting robbed Thank you, COVID. <laughs> I know. But also think about like Louis would probably be big enough to see over the ledge now, I would yep. think. Like that's just like the next time we see them, they're going to be so big, it feels like yeah, they're in that stage the right
0: color. Color. Yeah. I totally agree. So this year, the queen had only the Duke of Kent by her side. He is the son of her father's brother. So that was the significance of having him there. It was definitely, you know, it was her first time back in the quadrangle after Prince Philip's funeral so it was just a really ceremonious occasion but she seemed to be having a wonderful time in particular when the royal air force flew overhead that was uh, so cool. a lot of people and you really saw the cool. clip her face really lit up i think the she, red arrows or something i that love that awesome. i think chris yeah. jackson has a great image of that yeah. um on his account somewhere when that happens just at any oca- other occasions but she just loves this event and i think that it's really fun to see her appreciation of it even when it's scaled back totally But I also loved her attire. It was another Angela Kelly original, a gray and blue coat. She had an aquamarine art deco brooch that was a gift from the queen mother passed down through the years, her bag at her feet. It was just a wonderful occasion. I did want to share. I'm throwing it in the chat, Roberta. Speaking of Chris Jackson, this
1: image was just my absolute favorite. Because – Wait, mentioning her – while you pull this up, mentioning her dress, uh, I felt like all the dresses were on theme. Like she really had a clear pattern that she stuck to of like really beautiful flowy florals. Like there was... Um, I think there were three separate dresses over the weekend. Yeah. They were all really kind of similar but different. It was a very slideshow moment. I really liked it. Also, just the fact, you think about the fact that the queen is 95. I mean,
0: this occasion yeah. honors that fact. I mean, the official celebration of it. And she had how many engagement this weekend? How many outfit changes? It's so impressive. Yeah. Like, go Queen
1: Elizabeth. <laughs> I know. Do you think that she, also, I want to ask just one more thing about the fashion. Do you think she's thinking about it as much as someone like, Kate or Megan would think about their choices because I noticed there was a story about her having lilies on her dress. It was a lily pattern, and it was was that a call for out to when Lilibet? she
0: was had the tea with Joe Biden? Right? Yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. I mean, I feel like Roberta. Okay, let's quickly go on this. And tangent. then there was a brooch from Botswana. There was a brooch like, from that Botswana. Feels very
1: Harry and Megan and
0: Kate's Aquazara heels, which. Elizabeth Holmes pointed Meghan. out. I mean, yeah. that is like classic Megan. I feel like there's always nods. And if the Queen isn't able to keep up with it, Angela Kelly certainly that's is. True. And I yeah. feel like that's at the direction of the Queen. Love it. Okay, show yeah. me this photo. Okay, it's in the chat. You have to scroll down a little bit, but it's just Chris Jackson is in a league of his own. I, I don't mean to make this a love episode for Chris Jackson, but <laughs> see where <laughs> it it's always like blurred, is. the portrait Deep mode, down. and the guards. You have to everyone has to look this up. It's on his account as well. But it's just where you see the blurred british guards and the queen oh front and yes center. Just, oh my gosh i so saw that good. pop up over the weekend and i just i loved that image with that's her iconic. perfectly
1: yeah her silhouette is exactly between the two rows of people marching by it's unreal this that's photo a shot is, i would frame he, he should put that on the front of his next book he should book number so three or good. book number two <laughs> Either Book one. Number three. We're Book number three. We're selling. <laughs> we already saw the cover. I think. I. I don't know for sure. But,
0: anyways, right. great occasion. Such a fun weekend. Lots to. Lots of festive moments.
1: And then on the flip side, the last thing we'll cover is reflections on Prince Philip's one hundred, what would have been Prince Philip's 100th birthday, which was June 10th, 1921. So June 10th, 2021, 100 years. He died two months ago now. And so there was a couple tributes. One was the Duke of Edinburgh rose, which the queen was presented – my favorite thing from this, though, was just how wonderful the queen looked in her blue floral midi dress and cardigan with gold buttons. Angela Kelly is just like knocking it out of the park. Days. Yes. Yeah. The queen had dark sunglasses and hot pink lipstick, too. Like, she really
0: looked incredible. I'm telling and i you, it's-, it's the coming out after the pandemic. Everyone's ready to go. Open up the closet. <laughs> this is
1: her. Our- Let's do our best. <laughs> That's good. I need to borrow it from the queen and wear hot pink lipstick. I love it. Yeah. And we don't see her this casual too, which I think was really nice. Like the cardigan I was like trying to find an ID. It must be – angela kelly original but it was really beautiful um but money from the sales of this rose which is really wonderful it's like a a hybrid pink and red go to the duke of edinburgh Award. so props to Ange, as i'm calling her angela kelly (laughs) um we also had an edward prince edward interview on cnn so he talked all about his father's legacy and how he's kind of taking over a lot of his projects But naturally, his comments about the Sussexes are drawing the most headlines, of course. He said, listen, weirdly, we've all been there before. We've all had excessive intrusion and attention in our lives, and we've all dealt with it in slightly different ways. And listen, we wish them the very best of luck. It's a really hard decision. He also said, that's families for you. So I feel like it's just so different when it comes to Harry and Meghan to compare and say we've all been through that before just feels like gaslighting, right? Like, Well, I just still feel like... I think
0: they're trying to gloss over the fact that, I mean, the difference is that the headlines, we've talked about this so much, were racist, you know? So that's the problem. That's what's problematic is that
1: she had that element to contend with that makes it on a different level. Right, to say we've all been through this before, it's like none of you have ever been through that. And also you're saying that a lot of other members of the royal family have had suicidal thoughts like Meghan did. I just think that that all feels like so like – And I know he really probably wanted to just get through the question and like get like just like cut it out, like cut it off, and to say nothing would also look really bad. But it just is like don't say, don't compare yourself when it's definitely so different, and you know that. I don't know. I think even just saying, you know, we wish them the best. I think keeping it short maybe would have been a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, we had the Anne interview. Princess Anne did an interview with ITV about her father's – what would have been her father's 100th birthday. This is the funniest part, though, to me, is that – I mean, it's not funny at all. But I – the one thing that stood out was what she's wearing. She's wearing a gray wool suit and black suede knee-high boots in the middle of summer. Also, she's wearing a scarf and tights. I'm sorry. We are in full-on summer, like – How much AC does she have pumping into Gatcombe Park right now? Because it's really wild. I know. I have to say her style
0: is just the most underrated. Like, she is impressive. I loved her outfit. It made me think back to whatever happened with that Serafini collection. Remember where Princess Anne was the muse? We talked about it a long time ago.
1: And I was just like, oh, man. We need more Anne-style moments in our lives. So much more Anne-style moments and so much more Anne inspo decor. Because remember we saw that shot of her and her husband sitting on the couch in their living room. So much stuff everywhere and this room was so sparse it was almost like she knew that that's what people would talk about and so she wanted to like have a blank room there's literally one tchotchke in the background like it was almost kind of weird to have it there but and it was a lovely tribute to philip too i just want to say that i loved hearing about his affinity for engineering and all of that so anyways it was lots of stuff going on yeah all right and now our interview with matthew story We are very excited to welcome Matthew Story
0: to the pod. He's the Historic Royal Palace's Collections Curator specializing in art, design, and LGBTQ history, and is spearheading the Diana Princess of Wales wedding dress exhibit going on now at Kensington Palace, titled Royal Style in the Making. We are so thrilled to have you here, Matthew. Welcome.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: We're also like devastated that we can't, we saw the press preview, but we wish we were on a plane to the UK right now. <laughs> COVID bringing us down still, maybe soon.
2: You never know. Maybe later of the year, it'll be possible and we'll be able to welcome you to Kensington Palace.
0: We hope so. We would love that. Can you tell our listeners what in particular makes this exhibit so thrilling for the world, for you to work on, everything?
2: The rothstein making exhibition at Kensington Palace aims to take you behind the scenes. So what we're trying to do is to give you a little glimpse into the usually very secret worlds of the designer's workshop or atelier to take you behind the scenes to see how royal style is created.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like just even, you know, what was it like setting up the dress, having it, I mean, to touch it, like, I think that that just feels so scary on some level. Like, it's, you know, I, I would be so nervous to put my fingerprints on that material.
2: Well it was incredibly exciting when Diana Princess of Wales's wedding dress arrived at the exhibition when we were installing it. I must say that actually the uh, actual handling of the dress and the installation of it was left to expert conservators and um, the Royal Collection Trust sent over one of their experts um, with the dress as, it, as is usual. So we just made sure uh, historic royal that we had a great home for it so we've got this incredible huge I mean absolutely huge bespoke museum showcase for it and we did things like adjust the lighting for it so the lighting's nice and low in there so it doesn't damage the dress but at the same time our lighting designer was amazing because she brought out all of the sparkle yeah in the dress as well
0: well you need a lot of room to accommodate that train
1: <laughs> I know I was gonna say it's so impressive to see how the 25 foot train stretched out behind the dress looks in in that room it's the orangery am I saying that right at Kensington Palace uh,
2: yeah it's an accident. thing we say orangery. So. <laughs> orangery orangery
1: <laughs> I tried to be fancy about it
2: But yeah, the building dates back to 1704, actually. And it was built by Queen Anne, who you may remember featured in the film The Favourite. And it's this beautiful, big, light, airy space. We've just restored it, so it's never looked better. And it was just the perfect space to display the magnificent dress.
1: All right, well, first we want to get into the coolest details about Diana's wedding dress that you discovered while curating this exhibition. So Rachel and I, as we mentioned, attended the virtual press preview, and we heard a few of these insider details, so we wanted to have our listeners hear them as well.
2: For me, uh, we're all so familiar, because we've all seen the video, or you saw it even at the time, because... think something like 750 million people tuned in to watch the Royal wedding in um, 1981. It's one of the biggest TV events ever. We're all familiar with that big 1980s shape. You have a a big skirt with big puffy sleeves. Um, And we all gasped when we saw, uh, we gasped if we see the video now where we see Diana coming out of that carriage. So that's the picture that I think a lot of people have in their heads of the dress but when you see it for real you see all of the beautiful little details and that for me is where the love went into it when it was being designed. When I've been hearing about the process in the Emanuel workshop of creating that dress there's just so much love and care put into every single detail and it almost, it became a family affair as well. So that 25 uh, foot train and all of the lace on the bodice is all decorated with thousands and thousands of iridescent sequins. That's why the dress sparkles. And the Emmanuels only had three months to create this, what well, the most important dress, of their careers. And so Elizabeth Emmanuel actually called in her mum to help. Because there were so many sequins to sew on. Her mom was great at needlework. So her mom came into the workshop and was helping to sew <laughs> on all of these sequins. And it's that love and care that really comes through when you see it.
1: Wow. I know with the wedding dress exhibit there was that key that Elizabeth had. Can you tell us about that? The uh key to uh secure the dress?
2: In the exhibition, we're displaying the dress actually for the first time since the day before the wedding when it was delivered to Diana with all of the um, archive material from the Emanuel workshop. So that's the swatches, the samples, the sketches and, as you say, the key as well. So there's a bunch of keys and then there's one little key with a label saying Elizabeth's key on it. And those keys were used to lock up the dress and all of that material around the making of it into a safe every night because the whole process had to be kept top secret. And actually, all that Emmanuel archive material was packed into trunks and locked in the City of London bank vault after the wedding to keep the secret of the design. (laughs) So it's amazing we can show it. For the first time.
1: And the other materials like sketches and what, what else is included with that?
2: Yeah, we've got rolls of the original fabric, we've got the original paper patterns uh, that we used to, to cut out uh, the silk panels of the dress and that was done by um, somebody in the Emanuel workshop called Nina who was uh, quite elderly when she joined the manuals, but she was an incredibly experienced uh, seamstress, so she would have been responsible for cutting out the silk, using those paper patterns, which we have on show, and then sewing the dress together. And I think she loved the dress so much, it was quite difficult to, for her to part with it actually, because she put so much care into it. And so in addition to all those fabrics swatches, we've got never before seen photographs from the manual workshop. So you can see people like Nina and, and Rose, who was another who was another of their dressmakers. Actually, the people who made the dress, you can get a little glimpse into, into their story as well.
0: Wow. Amazing. Wow. Have you heard anything in the process of putting this together about there's all these conversations about the fact that there may have been a second dress made?
2: There was a second dress made, yeah. would you believe? So, they had another dress, a backup dress. Uh, so, just in case the design of, of the actual dress leaked ahead, they had a backup dress, a slightly different design, but they could have got finished very quickly. But actually, I've heard a few more stories as well. So, the actual dress had a backup skirt, a spare skirt. Oh, wow. so if Diana had spilt something down it, which is every bride's nightmare, um, spilt something down her dress, they had a backup skirt ready to go. So they could have just put it over her skirt and no one would have known. And they also had, because it's England, let's be honest, uh, just in case of rain, they used the fabric of the dress to create a parasol for her as well. So if it had rained, she'd have been protected.
0: That's amazing. I'd love to be in the room back then when they were trying to like think through every possible scenario of what might, you know, could go wrong on a wedding day. Like, because, you know, as any bride can relate, right? Um, But we know, we know about this exhibit that there's a lot more than just Diana's wedding dress. The peach outfit that she wore on her honeymoon is there and it's designed by Belleville Sassoon.
2: Belleville Sassoon, yes. So Belleville Sassoon was a really long established uh, society, uh, society couture Label, founded by Belinda Belleville and David Sassoon. And the relationship between David Sassoon and Diana Princess of Wales was really important because David was an absolute expert in how to design royal clothing. He designed clothing for, I think, every single female member of the royal family in his career, apart from the queen. And so he was the right person to turn to. And it's a relationship a great design partnership that almost didn't happen. (laughs) And there's a great story that David will tell you uh, about this, that Diana, recommended by her mother, who was a client of Belva Sassoon, went into their shop quite near the end of the day, very shy 19-year-old, and she was looking for an outfit for her engagement photos. And she was met by this rather formidable Russian vendeurs who... um, asked her if she could help and Diana wasn't very specific she was just Lady Diana Spencer there she was then she wasn't very specific about what she needed and so Vavonda showed her a few outfits but it was near the end of the day and she said do you know what I don't think we've got anything for you go around the corner to Harrods and I think I think it might be the junior member of staff in the shop said I think that was the lady who's going to marry the Prince of Wales (laughs) and you can imagine how Belinda and David uh, felt when they realized that possibly their most important clients had just been sent round the corner to Harrods. No. <laughs> luckily, luckily Diana came back and one of the great royal design partnerships was born. And the first outfit created was this going away outfit, wow. which actually the Carla David will tell you is cantaloupe. like the melon.
0: Cantaloupe. So, okay. Wow. Let's not call oh, it yeah. peach. Let's call it, make sure we get it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but that was something I wanted to clarify is that, because a lot of people report that her blue engagement outfit that she wore for the portraits with Charles was either that she went back to Belleville Sassoon, but it was actually, that was what she bought off the rack at Harrods, correct?
2: I think that was the Harrods one. Yeah. So uh, it was the going away outfit that's uh, Belleville Sassoon. That was the first, and that was the first. And uh, Diana actually had quite a hand in how it looked. So she saw a sketch on the wall of Belleville Sassoon of this little bolero jacket, and uh, she said, oh, "I like that jacket." So they said, "Okay, well we can take that," and they did a sketch. And she also liked the pencil skirt as well because she thought that was a very grown up look and that's what she wanted for her wedding day so they created this little outfit and again a great concession to the weather two versions of the jacket were created one with short sleeves and one with long sleeves and just in case it was uh, warm or cold and it became part of her working wardrobe afterwards so we know she wore it in Australia in 1982 and she wore it to open a hospital in Grimsby which is a town in the north of England in 1983 and I always like saying that uh, everyone expects that she would have worn the short sleeves in hot Australia and the long sleeves in cold Grimsby but it was the opposite way around long sleeves in Australia short sleeves in the north of England just to (laughs) confound your expectations about our weather
0: I I love it oh my Oh my gosh. Well, we wanted to ask, you know, of all the pieces in the exhibit, which one are you the most royally obsessed with?
2: Well, it's not a Diana piece. Oh, scandalous. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's much of a secret now, but my my favorite piece is a magnificent dress created for Princess Margaret, the Queen's sister in 1964. And it's by a designer called Oliver Messel. And Oliver Messel is the greatest theatrical designer in Britain in the middle of the 20th century. And his gift was to create these beautiful fantasies on stage. And the first ever play that Princess Margaret ever went to was A Midsummer Night's Dream designed by Oliver Messel. And she saw Vivian Lee on stage as Titania. So Oliver Messel really shaped her view of what Vieta would be. Mm. And, of course, she becomes this incredibly sophisticated patron of the arts. And Oliver Messel actually becomes her uncle by marriage because he's Lord Snowden's uncle. Wow. <laughs> so who is she going to turn to when she needs a beautiful 18th century style ball gown for a costume ball in aid of one of her favourite charities, the St John Ambulance? She's going to turn to Oliver Messel. And he creates this magnificent turquoise silk 18th century dress. I actually say it's more 18th century than the 18th century. <laughs> it's <got laughs> lace, it's got gold trimmings, little pearl trimmings, all made by theatrical costumier. And it's just magnificent. And it's, for me, shows what an important design partnership Margaret and Messel had, because he creates this dress for her, but he also decorates her apartments at Kensington Palace, and he creates, most importantly, her villa on the island of Mystique, because she and Oliver Messel both love the Caribbean. And then in one final beautiful touch, Princess Margaret, this discerning patron of the arts, saves Oliver's legacy, because when he's about to move to the Caribbean, retire there forever, she sees he's about to throw away his artistic archive. And so she saves it by storing it at Kensington Palace. And so, for all of those reasons, and because the dress is an absolute knockout and we <laughs> displayed it for the first time oh. since 1964 with Messel's original sketch, that is very special. Oh,
1: gosh, I've heard it. Incredible! We, we have I, to get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> have to, have to. I uh, quickly want to ask Matthew. So. Where is Diana's wedding dress kept when it's not on exhibition? Is it kept in Kensington Palace?
2: The dress belongs to the Duke of Cambridge and the Duke of Sussex. So uh, the loan was organized through the Royal Collection Trust. So they brought it to us and then we became responsible for looking after it during the six months of the exhibition.
1: Okay, I'm sure it's under lock and key somewhere. In the meantime. (laughs) All right, final question, Matthew. What is the most surprising, most interesting, coolest detail that you've learned about the royals from this exhibit, from curating it, from setting it up, everything? It's a tough one, I know.
2: (laughs) There's a lot of different stories in royal style in the making, but what I'm really struck by are the continuities across time, so things that we think of as very modern aspects of royal dressing actually have quite long antecedents. One of the royal women we feature in the exhibition as a client is the Queen Mother, and we don't necessarily celebrate the Queen Mother nowadays as a fashion leader, but she should be remembered for her fashion and for her style. We have the most beautiful dress created by Norman Hartnell mm. for her. It's this 1930s, 1940s style, elegant black velvet with the Hartnell signature, white embroidery gun, encrusted in the shoulders and the neckline. And we also have sketches that Norman Hartnell, who's I think the greatest British couturier, sketches he created for her for day wear. And one in particular shows this very elegant, gentle purple outfit with a hat and and a fur. And it's the kind of clothing she would have worn when she visited people in Britain during the Second World War who had been bombed out of their homes during the Blitz. And in the exhibition, we have footage of her visiting the bomb sites. And this was hugely important for British morale at the time, seeing the Queen going to the bomb sites and talking to people who've been affected. And we often think of modern royals thinking carefully about their clothing choices. The Queen Mother set the precedent. She did the same thing. And in particular, colour was very important. So she always wore these sympathetic, gentle tones. She wouldn't have worn black. It would have been inappropriate. And she didn't wear green either because that was unlucky. Mm. And she dressed beautifully for these occasions because she knew that when people came to meet her, they would make the effort to dress their best. So she paid, paid them the same compliment and she always looked beautiful, regal and sympathetic. So for me, my greatest surprise, I think, was acknowledging the Queen Mother as the really discerning fashion leader she should be remembered as.
0: Wow, I that's that. so interesting. Gosh, you have us so excited to get over to the UK. We want to thank you so much for joining us. As a reminder, the exhibition lasts until January 2nd, 2022. Are tickets sold out, Matthew or?
2: Yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of tickets, so we advise you book online in advance for UK visitors there's probably never been a better time to be a UK tourist in the UK so right. do come and see us um, and for any foreign listeners uh, out there hopefully when travel restrictions are lifted we can welcome you as well
0: thank you Matthew so much for joining thank us it's so been such much. a privilege to talk to you and we're, we're, it's an honour So
2: it was great chatting to you as well
1: And before we adjourn the Royal pod, here are highs and lows.
0: It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows.
1: My low this week is just that we found out Peter and Autumn Phillips' divorce has been finalized. It's been a year since they announced, over a year since they announced their separation. Their separation was announced February of 2020. It's the first of this generation of royals to get divorced, which when you think about it compared to their parents' generation, I mean, there were so many for their parents, you know? So it just, it's like, hopefully this is the only one, but it just yeah sad. I know, especially
0: after seeing him in between Harry and William at the funeral. Yeah. Milo is just the fact that the drama over Lilibet, Harry and Meghan's daughter's name, <laughs> Continues Like, why are we still kind of skewering them on this? They had to release a statement about it. In particular, the Daily Mail suggesting that the Queen was hard of hearing. And so if they did have the conversation with her, that might be why. Like,
1: that's next How level. Can, like, the British press have truly outdone themselves this time because, like, they're now basically insulting the Queen in order to say something bad about Harry and Meghan's choices. It's
0: wild. Yeah, and that's where I'm just, with Lady Gossip, I just love everything she says, but just the, you know, the firm does have the power to shut down this narrative, and that's where I really get confused why they're not, because they could clarify it just feels like they have a bone to pick with the Sussexes forever. So that's my low.
1: Yeah. It would look much better for them, though, if they just shut it down immediately. It would, yeah. 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 All right. My high this week is that Kate is announcing a new project for the early years, which is super exciting. It's supposed to be huge is what everyone's saying. It's groundbreaking. She teased on social media on the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge handle on Instagram. She said "Big." it was a printer printing out a document and the first title page said big change starts small. Um, so hopefully we'll hear more about that. I can't really wait. I love to hear her I projects know. as of late. I know
0: my high, the Royal Ascot in person. We're back. I <laughs> was so excited. They they had guests this year and we saw the first pics from the first day where, you know, it's going to we'll continue to get photo updates as the week plays out, but just based on our recording time, I just loved seeing Charles, Camilla, Edward, Sophie, Zara and Mike Tyndall, Princess Anne with the sunglasses on. It was, it's just really exciting. The fashion in particular, Sophie's champagne-colored floor-length dress. Did you see that?
1: I saw that. Stunning. I loved Zara's dress. I thought that was really beautiful, too. Like, the polka dots and, like, she had a really cool vintage looking earrings and a matching hat. Like she did, I thought she did great Well, on. her
0: dress is also me and M, which I keep seeing Kate wearing too. I need to kind of look into that a little bit more because I love the styles from that brand. That was that pink one that Kate wore. Mm-hmm.
1: Was that right? Yes, oh. yes. So I definitely want <gasps> I to check them to out. Them yeah, up. it is fun to see everyone together again outside and in fashion, royal fashion is in yeah. It.
0: One other aspect, though, I loved Camilla's mask hold. It's all she was also all of us where she was getting out of the car and did never mask on, but she clearly wanted it on immediately. And so she was just holding it. Does that ever happen to you where you have? Oh, to like, yeah. You're carrying things and you have to like loop it around your ears and stuff. But anyway, yep. very yep. exciting. This continues through June 19th. So Yay. more photo ops, hopefully the Cambridges and the Queen yes.
1: herself show up. So exciting. Well, just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Here is, ooh, we got a long one today. Listen to all the episodes of When Megan Met Harry. Thanks for the recommendation. That was, um, side note, the one from... Kristen Windsor, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, nice. Um, this person said, also listen to You Were Wrong about the Diana episodes. Another great recommendation. I'd like to recommend The Windsor Knot by Sophia Bennett. I'm a mystery lover and to see our wonderful queen and her element at Windsor Castle playing Nancy Drew was wonderful. Lots of insight into the workings of Windsor and the queen's household. Hope it is the first of many in a series. You guys are awesome. I look forward to your chat each week. Good book recommendations Yeah, I just finished my book. <laughs> reading, kind Looking of for, for another one. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram. You can also drop us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. Until next week, God save the pod. Her
2: Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.